that's when I started researching and diving into Eastern medicine and looking at, okay, I can't be the only person struggling with this. Why is this happening? What is it about what's going on that I can't figure this out or that there doesn't seem to be a solution out there? Because that's what I kept asking the ER doc. I was like, listen, I don't want birth control. I don't want to be doped up on Vicodin the rest of my life. I want to know why this is happening. I didn't have this before, but I have this now. How can I take care of it? And get my body better, not mm-hmm. just throw a pill at it again. And he didn't have an answer for me. Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian and helped my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we have Dr. Beth Westy. She is the author of the best-selling book, The Female Fat Solution. She's the creator of the Eat for Your Cycle Method and the host of the Female Health Solution podcast. She's made it her mission to help women use nutrition to work with their natural cycle to achieve lasting weight loss results. She spent years struggling with ovarian cysts, thyroid issues, and weight until she really dove into a background of Eastern medicine. So she's made it her mission to help women regain control of their health and nutrition. Welcome. Welcome. Yay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We love being on your podcast and we really appreciate you coming on ours. Could we start by like seeing how you got into Eastern medicine and how you found that to be helpful for your PCOS? Yes. Yeah. So quick backstory on me is I'm from Minnesota. So if you hear me, love it. <laughs> Long O's. Yeah. I grew up on a goat uh-huh. farm in Minnesota. So that's, oh my God. that's so good. Yeah. I grew up showing goats in 4-H. I have not met a lot of people from Minnesota, so I've only heard that accent on TV or so. <laughs> I try really hard not to let it show, but there's every now and then something to be like, you're from the Midwest. You're from either Minnesota or North Dakota or something. I'm like, yeah, I am. Um, and uh I was an athlete growing up I was a three-sport athlete in high school I played volleyball in college you can't tell but I'm six two I'm like oh wow Amazon of a gal Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh just knew that when I was in undergrad that I wanted to go to grad school so I actually went to chiropractic school so I'm a chiropractor by training and when I was getting my chiropractic degree I also got certified in acupuncture in eastern medicine um, trained in Chinese medicine and then did extra training for fertility and hormone issues for women in Eastern medicine. And this is where I, I just started to like, it opened up my entire world of how to treat the female body. Right. Because I mean, I grew up in the Western medicine world. Like there was a pill for every pain, right? There Mm -hmm. was a medicine cabinet that you went in Exactly. no one acknowledged like how the body actually works or functions or anything. It was just, oh, you have a problem. Here's a pill for it. Okay. Yeah. Here's the band-aid for it. (laughs) But not actually like going to root cause for anything. So when I really started diving into, again, natural health, I don't like calling it alternative medicine. But I know it makes it sounds like it's not like it, it can't be a main solution. It's, it sounds like it's like a off the cuff or something that's yeah. secondary. You know, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Secondary. Yeah. Which it's really not when you look at, okay, this is how the human body functions. 
Here's the physiology of it. Let's try and work with that as much as possible. And that's what really just started to open my eyes. And I actually had my first two kids while I was in grad school, which I would not recommend like any type of higher education, like while you're, you know, being like enormously pregnant and having to go do, you know, midterms and finals. And I remember I was nursing and I had to take one of my board exams and like, it was awful because when you're taking boards, there's like two hour spans of time that you're in taking an exam and then you get a 20 minute break and then you have to go back in. So I would have to run and pump while I was (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> terrible it's terrible did you have to go to your car to do that or like was it easier like i, I would go in the women's bathroom like oh, just okay. in one of the stalls and Aww. stand there because they didn't have you know it was a yeah. you know they didn't have that type of setup for women and you know so it was it was very stressful to say the least yeah i bet yeah stressful and then i when i graduated from chiropractic school and i started a clinic and you know, everything else. And then I graduated, started a clinic all within about three months span of time. And then I found out I was pregnant the next month. It's pregnant again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Again, second time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, so this is my third kid oh, third. actually. Third. And you know, I, for anybody who's had a new business, you know, how hard it is to get things off the ground, you know, struggled yeah. financially, um, trying to figure out how to get, make a go of it. Right. And my youngest was actually a preemie. So she was born about two months early and spent 23 days in the NICU. Mm. So all of that was like very stressful, very traumatic. Like I had a placental abruption, like was Mm. bleeding out all these things. So like, I'm lucky to be alive. She's lucky to be alive, you know, that type of a thing. So it was a really stressful time. And then from there to still be trying to push with my business and make things work. That that was like the most stress I've ever been under in my life. It sounds like a lot of, it's like a recipe for hormonal imbalance. That's what it sounds like. Yes, exactly. Almost giving birth, lots of stress, life and death situations. Yeah. 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 Recipe for disaster. Yeah, the trifecta right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't isn't it like already a huge hormonal change after giving birth? So that Mm -hmm. coupled with all the other stress you're going with. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's when I started getting cysts, mm. like right after that, like, um, that'll it, do it. <laughs> yep. Not that long after she came home from the hospital, I got my first ovarian cyst and I'd never had them before. Right. I didn't have, you know, and I didn't really think I had hormone problem. I didn't really know I was on the pill forever. Like a lot of other gals and until I started having babies and everything. And it was awful. Like I would have a cyst that would burst every month and it would go right side, left side, right side, left side. Hmm. And it was awful. And at the same time, I'm trying to work. I would be treating patients in my office and have to run into my back room and crouch on the floor because the cyst would burst. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So you're saying it would burst, like one side would burst and then a couple of weeks later, the other side would burst, like just nonstop. Yeah. Well, it was every other month because every Every month you ovulate. Yeah. You ovulate from like every other month you're supposed to like ovulate from one side and then the other side. So like, if you ovulate on the right side in January, then February would be the left side. March would be the right. Oh, I see. So for some gals, yeah. For some gals that have, you know, a lot of scar tissue or multiple cysts or um, even endometriosis, things like that. And there's extra tissue maybe on one side, they Mm -hmm. might not ovulate like that every other month because of the, Mm -hmm. like the actual clump of scar tissue that could be blocking the ovary from functioning well. Mm -hmm. So it seems like, yeah, I have my one, my, I have my period normal one month. And then the next month it skips 
or it's late or something. And then it's fine for a month and then it skips or it's late. And it's like, yeah, because that one side has a lot of issues. Oh, I had no idea about the, yeah, the different wow. sides and how they can differentiate. Yeah. So how did you turn this ship around? This was a long battle. I had this for a year and a half before I found ways to deal with it. I tried to eat really healthy and clean. I was eating a pristine diet, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, no sugar, non-inflammatory. I was taking a basket of supplements, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of vitamins, lots of fish oils, you know, all this stuff. And some things were sort of helping, but I was still getting cysts. And oh, okay. my husband actually got to a point where he... <laughs> got really frustrated with me. He put me in the car, took me to the ER because I couldn't get off the floor again, Uh (laughs) you know? And then the ER doc, which I know this is a very similar story to a lot of other women. He was like, oh, here's your Vicodin. Here's your birth control. See you Are you serious? That's it? Yeah. So -hmm. then what? What yeah. do you do at this point? Sounds like you got the diet under control. I don't know about the stress, but yeah, that was, well, that was the thing. Was like, that I was really, the thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having cysts all the time and being put on the floor from it was still very stressful. And that's when I started researching and diving into Eastern medicine and looking at, okay, I can't be the only person struggling with this. Why is this happening? What is it about what's going on that I can't figure this out or that there doesn't seem to be a solution out there. Cause that's what I kept asking the ER doc. I was like, listen, I don't want birth control. I don't want to be doped up on Vicodin the rest of my life. Yeah. I want to know why this is happening. I didn't have this before, but I have this now. How can I take care of it and get my body better? Not Mm -hmm. just throw a pill at it again. And he didn't have an answer for me. So that's what I was really looking for is what's going on. And when I started looking at Eastern medicine and realizing there are a lot of other types of medicine that really focus on how the female body shifts and changes throughout the month, mm-hmm. like acupuncture. When you do acupuncture for fertility, you actually are wanting to help the body go through different phases. Like the female body, you, it, the hormones change throughout the month so much. It's kind of like you have four different bodies throughout the month. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with acupuncture and everything and Chinese medicine, you actually try and help the body through those different phases not treat it the same all the time. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was one of the biggest eye-opening revelations that I had where I was like, holy crap, I keep treating my body the same every single week. Yeah. No wonder why my hormones are still off and I'm not able to get ahead of this. Yeah. So I went through you know, a specific hormone detox to help flush out the excess estrogens um, from my system because I was very estrogen dominant, which a lot of people with PCOS are. <laughs> and then- started, you know, alternating, you know, eating for estrogen, eating for progesterone, incorporating that. And it helped a ton regulate my cycle, decrease a lot of symptoms I had. And it didn't happen overnight, you know, or right away that, you know, but within like the next month, I still had a cyst. It wasn't as bad. And then by the second month, I could tell that mm, there was a cyst there, but it didn't burst. Mm-hmm. But by the third month, I didn't even feel a cyst. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And it, I, I going back to what you were saying, where like uh, in a woman's body, you're going through a different phase each each week of of yeah. the cycle. So, I think we've talked about in the past where like when you're taking supplements, when you're trying to improve your health, it's almost like more complicated for a woman to improve her health compared to a man because a man doesn't have the four different cycles within that month. Yeah. So when they just take something, it's like a bit more straightforward. But with women, it's it's a bit more complicated and take a bit longer period of time. Correct. 
Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, when you look at what the female body needs, especially the week or two leading up to when the cycle starts, I mean, women need more healthy fats. They need more proteins. They need more minerals and vitamins. And that's why mm -hmm. a lot of women get cravings and stuff because the body is technically depleted from what it would naturally need. And these are things that we just don't know, or we feel bad. Oh, I've got cravings right now. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, you yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> that means you need more. Yeah, you yes. feel. Yeah. So, what are some actionable steps that women can take during the four phases of their cycle? Yeah. Um, I feel like women listening right now, like, what are the? What do I do? Like, <laughs> it's right before my period. What do I do? Or like, it's right after my period. What do I do? Yes. So what I like to teach to start with, because this can be a bigger process is eating for your cycle in terms of um, your basal body temperature. So for anybody who's ever tracked their cycle or tracked their basal body temperature, you know that right from the time your period starts up until you ovulate, your body temperature is lower. Mm. So you want to help that lower body temperature by eating cooling foods, cooling toned foods. I have lists out there um, that I've made and posted for people to look at, you know, for free. You know, you can even Google that. What are some cooling foods, right? They'd be mm -hmm. chicken, turkey, fish, raw fruits and vegetables are very cooling. Spices like mint, dill, thyme, rosemary, very cooling for the body. And it's going to work with that lower body temperature. And then when you ovulate, right, temperature spikes and then stays higher or should stay higher for the progesterone phase, right? For that second phase of the cycle. And then you want to match with that warming that warming cycle, that warming phase of eating warming foods. So like beef and bacon, any type of, you know, bison, red meat, mm -hmm. very, very warming, right? Cooking your fruits and vegetables as much as possible, eating um, peppers, putting spice on things, ginger, cinnamon, turmeric, oh, like wow. very, very warming, right? And yeah. The digestive system actually slows down when you're in that phase as well, just naturally. The digestive system moves slower. Progesterone literally means progestation. It's preparing your body for a viable pregnancy, whether it happens or not. So it does things like slow down your digestive system, which then leads to, you know, oh, I feel more bloated or I feel more gassy or, ooh, you know, what's going on? And it's just your body's trying to leach every bit of nutrient from the food that you're eating because it's preparing for something, right? So yeah. eating wow. things like ginger, which is very soothing for the digestive system and helps move things along a little bit, yeah. so <laughs> kind of picks up the pace there and can help your system function better. So your gut feels better too. Yeah. yeah not to mention cooked vegetables are easier to digest. Yes. So if your, your digestion is slowing down or you have gas or things like that, it's good to cook it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And you're bringing that heat in too. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing I like about this too, is that this is not an exclusive thing. Like you can only eat warming foods during this phase. You know, you can't eat and you can't have, you know, mint leaves in your water or anything like that. No. Right. It's more of like, take a snapshot of the day. Are you yeah. doing more warming things than cooling? Awesome. Then you're yeah. going to be working with that phase more. So it's a really easy way to start stepping into the way your body shifts throughout the month by leaning into that cooling and warming, honestly matching your basal body temperature. Did you hear about that sister who took Ovacetol and finally got her period after a year of not having one? 
incredible. I see those kinds of messages on Instagram a lot. How does that even happen? Well, Ovacetol helps with healing insulin resistance, a common root issue that most PCOS sisters have. And by targeting insulin resistance, we're seeing sisters kick those crazy cravings, finally regulate their periods, ovulate, and improve their egg quality. Each packet of Ovacetol has a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol and D-chiro-inositol. This ratio is similar to the ratio that should be found in the body. But with women like me who have PCOS, this ratio is often imbalanced. So taking Ovacetol can be super effective in treating insulin resistance starting from the root of the issue. So awesome. It tastes like nothing. So just warn me when you put it in a cup so I don't drink it. You got it, boo. Check out the link in the description to get 15% off your order. Are you trying to conceive? When you're in the process of baby making, you don't want to take a prenatal that's designed for a woman who's pregnant. They get expensive and have ingredients you don't need quite yet. Theranatal Core is a prenatal focused on women who are trying to conceive. It contains the active form of folic acid, folate, as well as 2,000 IUs of vitamin D. Also, it doesn't have any expensive ingredients that you don't need until you're pregnant. Theralogix's prenatal, Theranatal Core, is especially for women with PCOS who are in the process of baby making. Check the link in the description for our 15% off code. What about the women who haven't had a period in a long time? Let's say it's been like four months since they had a period and they don't know what cycle they're in or what the heck is going on. Yeah. So this is the same, you know, advice that I give gals, if they're going to start seed cycling or things like that, it is just start, you know, you can count back if you want, or you can start tracking your basal body temperature to see where you might be at, Mm -hmm. but if your body is super irregular, then just start, start with, start with a day, start with day one and do cooling for two weeks and warming for two weeks. Mm -hmm. It will help your body sync up and have a pattern to go off of. It's the same thing for anybody who, um, if they're coming off of a birth control or something like that, this helps your body have a pattern. Your hormones are impressionable, right? They're not static. I mean, any gal that's been on a sports team at all, or been around other gals, right? Like living, like I lived with a, three other gals in college, you know, it doesn't take very long for everybody to sync up. Right. <laughs> I never understood that. Like I've heard this phenomenon for many years and I still yeah. don't understand how that can happen, but I guess it just happens. It's just, yeah. you guys are like Wi-Fi routers all like. Oh my, God. <laughs> That's oh my God. Wi-Fi routers. Wi-Fi routers. That, you know what? That's, <laughs> That's not wrong, you know. But I believe it, and I, it's just like it's very interesting, and I'm, I, it's ama- it's amazing. It's a, it's like an amazing phenomenon that happens in nature. Is is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely true. There's a lot of theories on, you know, uh, historically why this would be pr- happen for women to sync up like this. Um, you know, when you live in a group or you know that type of a thing. Sure, um, but that's it's a reality of what happens to women's bodies. Women's bodies yeah. do sync up, so our hormones are impressionable. You have the ability to be in the driver's seat directing your pattern, your hormones. So to give it this pattern to go off of, to, to eat for your cycle is super helpful because that way, if, if there are stressors or endocrine disruptors or other things around you that could be disrupting your natural cycle, you Mm -hmm. have this pattern to go off of. And it's, it's very similar, like with seed cycling, you eat certain seeds during different parts of the cycle to help your system, you know, link up and, and have a pattern to go off of. This is like an advanced level of that. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. And then uh, getting more specific with PCOS. So when you see uh, a patient with PCOS, what are some of the like 
a couple of first things you do with the, either with the diagnosis or with just uh, getting to understand what's happening within their body? Yeah. So, oh, and I, I do hormone testing. Um, I do Dutch testing, which is a urine test um, for comprehensive hormones to see the exact mm-hmm. pathways, to see where things are being processed, not being processed, what to target. So it is, it is pretty intricate what we go through to really look at what to target for the body. Um, cause each body is different, but one of the most frustrating things that a lot of times I have to go through right off the bat is, is the basic education, which I know you guys have to do too, all the time. Like there was mm-hmm. somebody I talked to, it was two days ago. I chat with this great gal and we went over her report, her Dutch report. And we were talking about these levels. And I was like, have you ever been diagnosed with PCOS? Has anybody mm-hmm. ever talked to you about that? And she was like, um, well, I think one doctor may have said something about it, but I don't know that I was officially diagnosed with it. And I was like, okay, well, have you had cysts or, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I get cysts. And I was like, oh my God. Ooh. It should be like the first thing immediately when they have cysts, make sure double check everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start sweating because I can see <laughs> that this is like, it's, terrible for women to just not be given any guidance or really being told the truth about what's happening in your body or for somebody to be like yeah it seems like there's a problem oh you're having a cyst you know frequently Ah, yeah oh well that can happen see you later i don't know what kind of a doctor sees sees that as normal it's just they're like oh yeah a lot of gals have that that can happen so they do say that they say like oh you know a lot of people have cysts but should they have cysts that rupture and leave you on the floor every month once a month Do we deserve that? No. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, Just like cramps. Just because a lot of women have cramps and awful periods doesn't mean that that's normal. And you should just be like, oh, it's my period again. I'm paralyzed. No big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yes, it is. There was one of my really good friends, actually, when we first met and we started talking about hormonal stuff, she shared with me that every month, when she would get her period, she would be in bed for two to three days. It would be that bad. Like she'd have to put down towels and like, it was like literally two to three days every month in bed. Couldn't even get out of bed. Couldn't even function. She would meal prep for those days because she, you know what? It blew my mind that it was that bad for her. And I was like, dude, do you realize that's like two weeks every year that you don't have, that you're spending in bed because you can't move. That's not yeah. okay. Yeah, it's basically handicapping your body. Yeah. Wait, that's more than two weeks. There's 12 months. Is it three days a month? Three times 12, that's 36 days. That's a that's almost a month more than of a month, your yeah. whole year. Yeah. Yeah. That you're paralyzed yeah. in pain. Yeah. A I just did the time. mental math. I was yeah. like, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, more than two weeks. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. Two to three days a month, though. And this is for some people, they're like, oh yeah, that happens to me sometimes what? Yeah. That's not okay. And she had gone through, you know, so many things. And again, was told that the only solution was birth control for her. And I'm like, but that's Mm -hmm. not helping your body function better. Yeah. Yeah. That's not helping anything. Yeah. The question is like, why is that happening? Yeah. If you don't figure out the why, then no matter what, even if you're on birth control, the why is going to snowball into something worse later. Yes. And like, maybe it was high estrogen and that's why you had such terrible cramps. And then later you have like extremely high estrogen. That's a risk factor for so many things. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it gets to be so frustrating that women try to get answers. They try to get help and they're led down this wild goose chase of just going in circles. 
and I was there too. I was frustrated too. And one of the things that I got a little obsessed about uh, was really <laughs> researching why women's health is the way that it is today. Yeah. What'd you learn? So there is, you know, doing all this research, I learned that health in this country, you know, in the Western world is based off of the male body. Mm-hmm. Research is done on men. It's conducted by men. So it's put together for men. Yeah. They use um, males for the standard for pretty much everything. I mean, it wasn't even until 1993 that a law was passed that women could even be a part of pharmaceutical studies. 1993? 93. That's when the law was passed that women could be a part. So before that, women were not allowed to be a part of pharmaceutical studies testing any medications. Meaning, think about when birth controls were created. In the 60s, 50s, right? They were tested on men. They were tested on men. They still do it today. They take a study and they still, women only make up anywhere from on average five to 10% of a study, which is statistically not important because any outlying data, they just chuck yeah because it doesn't go along right if anybody knows anything about research and statistics and things like that they they throw out outliers and that's usually the percentage that women are part of so they would test these medications and they still do on men that are 140 pounds and call that equivalent to a female body (gasps) my mind is blown stop it and are they giving them like birth control and stuff too or yes what is it doing to them but like how could that even do anything like they're not giving birth anyways what's that about like shouldn't they be testing if they're getting their period or things like that like how 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 can't that's i don't know what to say i'd like to i'd like to meet the fool who came up with this (laughs) I'd like to look yeah. straight like into his eyes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you meet them every time you go into your medical clinic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what they're, that's the data that they go off of. So there's a great book called Doing Harm. And it's written about like the lazy science of why women's healthcare is not advanced. You know, they, they go off of men. Like they did an aging study, a 70 year aging study. They studied aging in the human body for 70 years. Guess how many women were a part of that study? How many? I'm going to guess like five. Zero. zero. <laughs> they, you know? Wow. Stuff like, like, oh, wow. oh, women don't age or because aging in women and dealing with the hormones and going through menopause is so complicated. Let's just not even look at that. Or I, I, how about yeah. let's look at it even more? Yeah, it's 50% of the population. More now, I think. So it's just as, it's more important than men at this point. It's the biggest part of the population. I just wrote down that book. So it's called Doing Harm, right? I'm, Doing I'm gonna, Harm, yeah. yeah I'm going to get that. It will blow your mind. Like when I first read it, I would like yell at the book. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. And then there's there's other things in terms of women's health specifically where they talk about the, like if anybody knows anything about, um, is it Marion J. Sims, the history of um, OBGYN? Mm-hmm. Like the, they call him the, the godfather of gynecology and everything, like the horrific things he did. Oh, really? Female slaves. Wow. Oh, I've heard oh, that. My God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like the torture and like, oh my God. And then think about when you go into to see your OBGYN, not exactly a relaxing and pleasant visit, is it? <laughs> Lay down on this, you know, harsh paper, bright, weird lights and just, you yeah. know, stick something in and yeah. And, and these stirrups right there. Like just the- relax. I am relaxed right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if a woman actually designed those exam rooms, it would be totally different. I'm just saying. I know, right? It would be a lot more pleasant. 
Yeah. There'd be a lot more lighting, warm. It would be warm. It would be warm. It would be 75 degrees at least. (laughs) Maybe some maybe some suede on the chair or something. Maybe a nice robe to put on instead of a piece of paper that rips. Yeah. Sometimes they don't even fit depending on your size. And they're they're like one size fits all. But you know, if you're larger, it's not gonna cover you. No, it's not. How I'm is that six comfortable? Two. I am six two. I will tell you those stupid things. <laughs> I can't believe it. Last yeah. time I went, it was like a new one and I couldn't believe it. I looked ridiculous and I sent Sidak a picture. I think I remember. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. These are the things though. Like if you actually look at how we are cared for, how women are cared for, how the female body is cared for in health. And you start to think about like, this seems ridiculous. It is but it's based off of stuff that is really old. The female body is not studied. It's still not a majority part of anything. And even so like the pharmaceutical industry, the aging, you know, medical health, all that stuff, even things like fitness, like when they have all those like, oh, this pre-workout is going to help you burn more fat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, things that like make claims like that, you know, you know who they study, they study men. For Men sure. yeah. that are division one athletes between the ages of 18 and 22. Wow. So mm. even like, even a guy like me can't relate because I'm like 30. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't kind of surmise as an athlete, but I'm not at that level of stage. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about like the, like the testosterone levels in males that age, like division yeah. one male college athletes between the ages of 18 and 22. So their testosterone levels are sky high. So of course they can do a study of this, oh, creatine, you know, beta alanine, pre-workout, blah, blah, blah. And then see, oh, look, their bodies got to fat burning and they take the same thing and market it towards middle-aged women. And they're saying that the body's going to burn fat the same. And that's absolutely not true. You know what cracks me up is when people DM us or comment and say, we, you know, show us more research and like we, you know, and there's not no research. There is no research on women's health for us to show you. There's no proper research that's thorough enough that I want to pick up and read yeah. and explain because especially with PCOS, it's yeah. not being researched. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's ridiculous. It's only more recently that they talk about having the four different types of PCOS and everything else. And they still don't have a standard. Yeah. of testing and there's still yeah. no standard of care we or have, diagnosis yeah yes yeah and this uh, going back to studies like all this like even the diet studies like the studies done on intermittent fasting keto mm-hmm. is all dominantly like done on men mm-hmm. so and then when people hear about oh like i should go keto for pcos or i should go i should intermittent fast like it might work but we don't really know because the studies are saying it works for men and i think previous conversations like something like intermittent fasting can actually be counterproductive because of the cycles that a woman has to go through during her uh menstrual cycle and how fasting can actually hurt that if you're doing it for too long periods of time yeah exactly yeah you really you have to really dig to find some competent research and understand what works and what doesn't work i mean there's some on dairy and pcos there's some on gluten and endometriosis, there's some, mm-hmm. and we have to use critical thinking skills to yeah. apply them. Yeah. And the, and the hard thing is, is that the textbooks and everything else, the research for that stuff, when you look at the timeline for doing research and how it gets to become mainstream, you're looking at a 50 year span of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 30 to 50 years 
is about what it would be. So if people started doing research today on the female body and PCOS and gluten, 50 mm-hmm. years from now, it would be really? mainstream. Dang. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Old and we'll be- <laughs> we did it. Here's the proof. We yeah. spearheaded this. Yeah. Yeah. We've been um, saying it for 50 years. Yeah. And is finally, it, here's the proof. Is, is it hard to like create your own study? Like, could we like do something where we get, you know, women with PCOS and we put like we showcase them with gluten dairy free and see how they do it? But I think I feel like it would be it's very technical and very difficult. I feel like to do a scientific study. The hardest thing about scientific studies from what I've seen is that they just cost a lot of money up front mm. and without having complete, con- it's all about control in the space. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. if you're just, otherwise it's more of like clinical data. Yeah. That you can collect all day, clinical data. Oh, this person says that they are gluten-free and that this and this and this, and that it helps their symptoms. Great. So you can collect all those. We have plenty of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Thousands. Yeah. And maybe some person is not really a hundred percent gluten-free or, you know, uh, you know, but I mean, so essentially there's different types of research that you can do and having that clinical data is easy to get you know, you just collect it over time and that's, it's valid. It's very, very valid. So yeah. 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 Otherwise you have to isolate people for 30 days Uh and (laughs) control their intake and that gets to (laughs) put them in a hotel for 30 days and feed them only gluten and dairy free. And then yeah. Measure their blood levels and all that stuff, which again, the cost for that is what is a deterrent usually. Yeah. Um, But there is a gal, Dr. Stacy Sims, I don't know if you've heard of her. She has a book called Roar, R-O-A-R, and she's a PhD and she has done research on the female body um, and um, endurance athletes, being an endurance Mm. athlete and the cycle. So yeah. Wow. One of the only researchers out there that's doing stuff like that. Oh, okay. And is she like connecting the dots between like endurance athletes and PCOS or- Not specifically PCOS necessarily, but more of like, oh, you know, during this phase of the cycle- your energy might be a little bit lower, like uh, endurance athletes performers are lower. I see. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, and she just started to work with some of the Olympic athletes in Nike. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. They perform way better because they're performing based on their cycle. I mean, they're practicing based on their cycle. Yeah. I think I remember an article, reading an article like that during the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. This is like cutting edge stuff, which cutting edge. Yeah. Cutting edge. Oh, really? It's been thousands of years on half the population. Oh my yeah it's like when you really think about it it's it's the most simplest thing because it's what our body just has been programmed to do after thousands and thousands of years of like you know evolution and just you know it's just nature really hello yes seriously yeah and so this is like the more people talking about this, the more people highlighting this, I think the better because it gets that awareness out there and to realize like for women to have hormonal issues, to have PCOS, to have these problems, you know, I'm using air quotes, problems with their, with their body. It's not something that is just like a quick fix, go away necessarily, but really to lean into and learn how your body works and work with it. And there's Mm -hmm. a whole other world out there then for you. Instead of feeling stuck or feeling shamed or feeling like, oh, I'm restricted in what my life can actually be because of my health, which a lot of women feel. Or feeling like you can't do anything about it and you have to rely on outside sources as a crutch for your hormones, whether it's birth control or whether it's surgeries or whether it's medication. And they sell so much to you before telling you 
that you have control over your body. The first thing they do is convince you that you don't so Mm -hmm. that you can relinquish that control and not be self-aware and realize that, you know, maybe there, there, you have to do some investigation and see what's going on with your hormones. Maybe there's a way. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Our heater's on. We're getting fired up over here talking about stuff. <laughs> but I think that's a that's a great place to to end the podcast right there. I think that that was a great interview. Just mentioning those two books, Doing Harm and Roar by Dr. Stacey Sims. I think listeners, if you want to learn more about studies being done and about women's health, those are great, great uh, suggestions. And Dr. Beth, if people want to work with you, if people want to learn more from me, where can they find you? Yeah, so I am on the interwebs, Dr. Beth Westy. That's Dr. You know Beth Westy, and uh, you know Facebook, Instagram, my website. You know, and then my podcast and my my I have a YouTube channel also, Dr. Beth Westy, where I do a lot of videos talking about how to eat for your cycle and your hormones, that type of a thing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Awesome. We'll put that information in the link so listeners, you can go ahead to the description and click through. Yes. Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes. Yeah. Love, Thank love you for having me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was, this is our, one of our favorite uh, interviews. Yes. Talk to you soon, sisters. Take care, everyone. (laughs) Bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come check out The Sisterhood. It's my monthly membership site where sisters just like you are learning how to move through the stages of PCOS. From stage one, cold and alone at the doctor's office, to stage five, nailing the PCOS lifestyle, gluten and dairy free. Get ready to finally feel in control of your body again.